Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is the founder of Collins Publishing, and she also has a creative art canvas business, Miss Insana Collins. Thank you for joining me. Sure. Thank you for having me. I Listen, after our spirited conversation on Shanavia's uh, podcast, I had to have you. <laughs> Oh, well, I was so glad to be on that. I was glad to meet you on that one. I thought it was a fantastic conversation. I've been telling people about it. I was glad that we had your masculine energy on that show. So I appreciate you being there. And it was a, it was an honor. Did she post it yet or not yet? Who knows what that girl did? We'll find <laughs> out. I'll help her. If I didn't help her, it didn't happen yet. So no, it ain't up. Oh, okay. Let's, for, I want to start with your um, publishing company, okay. Collins Publishing. When did you when did you start it? Mm-hmm. I opened College Publishing in 2009. So it's I just celebrated 11 years in business. And uh, I'm glad it's still open. I'm glad I did not give up. And it's still, <laughs> still going <laughs> strong. <laughs> what is, so what exactly do what exactly do they do? What do you do? So I am a um, mostly I'm a government contractor because of the because I live so close to Washington, D.C., so it's easy to uh, be involved in the federal space here. You can, everybody's a government contractor if you've been in, in this area and you know anybody in the DC area. Everybody <laughs> a government is, employee. Whether they want to be or not. <laughs> yes, a government employee or a government contractor. So either you have the benefits or you get the money, one or the other. And uh, I wanted the money. So I'm a government contractor. And because I'm a contractor, I can be a contractor for multiple uh, agencies. Or what I've really become is like a third party all the time. So an, other contractors when work with the Department of Defense or the Navy or the Air Force, and then they need a writer to write, either write the proposals to win the work, or they need a technical writer to write the follow-on management documents. So policies, procedures, management plans to say, this is what we did, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it, and then later, this is what we did. Someone has to write that stuff. And and make it look wonderful. That's what they hired me for, and my company to do. So you don't. And there's you don't always so much work books? in the government. So a lot of stuff gets published. Huh? A lot of stuff gets published. Everything gets published. When you post a something on Instagram, you published a photo uh, on Instagram. Uh, and when you write content for it, you publish that content because you put it in a place where it can be disseminated to a mass audience. So um, and it's and it is complete in that way so it's not people think of publishing only in the form of long form novels or something like that but you can publish an article if you think about it that way if you think about it that way in the way that you can publish an article which means you could publish a paragraph which means you could publish a sentence if you wanted to so i'm gonna be honest my narrow mind all i thought about was books I didn't think that's okay <laughs> that's okay i tell people that i went to college for journalism and everybody thinks i work for a news station or something like that and that's or a newspaper and there's so much more you can do clearly um, oh. than work for working for news. So you went to school for journalism? Yeah, I wanted to be an anchor woman when I went to school. Wow. So how did it go from being, wanting to be an anchor woman to getting your own publishing company? Very easily. Let me tell you. I'm glad you asked the question. Um, when I I went to the University of Maryland and they have a really good journalism school. And when, you, when you're 17, you don't know what that means. Like who got a, who has a bad journalism school? I don't know. And um, when I went and uh, 
you, you know, as a, as a, as a junior and a senior, when you're actually in the school and not, you know, you finish all your electives and whatnot, um, University of Maryland has a cable channel and a, and a real news station, a real news station, and a real cable channel, Turp TV News is what they have. And everybody who's in um, the journalism track gets to be a reporter, a writer, an editor, an, an anchor, maybe a teleprompter. You got to write your own stories. You basically become a producer. You have to produce all your own stories, uh, write it from start to finish and present it. You have to report your story and then edit it later and turn it in. It's a, it's a package is what they call it. And you got to turn in your packages and you do it for radio and you do it for um, for TV too. And when I did it for TV, radio was great. When I did it for TV, I found out that I hate public speaking. I would turn <laughs> red, I would sweat. It was the most nerve wracking experience. I would sometimes, you know, stutter like, cause I'm on air and I would just like talk, my words would just fall out of my mouth and I couldn't have no control over them anymore. It was so terrible. So if you, you ever think about when you watch the news and you see um, somebody on Fox and they say, I'm, this is Vanessa Gordon from Fox 5 News and they do the stand up with a mic at the scene of wherever they're reporting from. You can do it that way on camera or you can do it off camera where you, you and you think about it now, if you watch somebody tell a story of a shooting or robbery or whatever, a feel good piece. And they say, this is Vanessa Gordon from Fox 5 News and they're not on screen. That's a, a different way to close out your piece. I would always do it that way because I hated being on camera. I hated being on screen. I hated holding the mic and saying my name and smiling at the end. It all felt so fake and phony. And 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 maybe that's the crutch for me saying I'm really terrible at public speaking and I don't want to <laughs> do this. But that's how I felt. I didn't want to do it. But I was very um, interested in writing what a reporter had to say or what an anchor was supposed to say. So I was really interested in writing the stories, pushing the story out, but not being the presenter of that story. That's one reason. The second reason is because uh, when you're a senior, if you, especially if you're really serious about whatever you wanna do, when you graduate, you're supposed to look up the jobs that, you're, that you apply for um, when you graduate. And I did that. And then I did it for, um, you know, to see like, kind of like what the next level beyond that was because I was our, I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was thinking big but you know when you're when you graduate from school you just want to make the money you just you don't have no money and you just want to start getting get to the money as fast as you can <laughs> uh, when you graduate and so I saw that like the jobs and this is 1999 so I saw the jobs that I wanted and they were like I don't know $35,000 you know journalism and communication majors preferred or whatever uh, or degrees preferred and they would be like $30,000 $35,000 and then if we get to like it would get these are like writers or reporters and then it'd be like a senior reporter and I was like okay let's see what I'm, I'm supposed to be making after some years at this job and I'm this is when I was 20 20 or 21 years old and they were like 40,000 <laughs> or 45,000 and I was like, that's it? This, I did all of this and I'm going to make $45,000 a year. And when you're in the school for journalism, they tell you over and over and over again, it's competitive. It's so competitive. It's so competitive. And so you, you think you already feel like when you leave school, you're, you're joining a race and now you're in a race to make that. And I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to. It already seems like a really hard job. Like you're, you got to be a reporter before you on, on, um, at the news desk. And you basically, to me, to me, a reporter is talking to people that don't want to talk to you. You got to find them and get the story out of them. And it's just, you got to be on the scene for like storms and bullshit like that. And I was like, I don't want them to do me like that. 
And I already <laughs> didn't want to be on screen in the first place. And also for thirty or thirty-five thousand dollars, it seems like it's. I, I I was like then at that point I was questioning why anybody would do it. So um, I didn't want to do that. And but I was lucky that when I got out of school, I became I was an editor. I got a job as an editor uh, in my first my very first job, not something else. And I'm I'm thankful for that. But I still made twenty-seven thousand dollars, and um, <laughs> so I just kept you know. I just, I've bounced all over the place and around in this area, you can do that. You can get another job every six months, you know, in, in yeah. the Washington DC area, if you want to. Um, and I did, I did exactly that. I worked everywhere, but uh, I will fall in to proposal writing because everybody needs one. And I found out I could do that very well, uh, write in a persuasive way so that you could buy what I'm selling. So uh, they liked it and I was ready to write and everybody was like, I hate writing. You can, you can do it. Please do this. And I would, you know, I kind of fell into it. And before I knew it, I was doing it for 10 years. And then I was like, I could do this for everybody who needs it. And that's when I opened the company. So you, so the end, you really made like a, a pivot, like mid career was almost like you, you started out with one in one direction and, and to say, ah, that's not going to work. I want to do something else. Yes, yes, for the money, yes. And, <laughs> and I was only in journalism in the first place. <laughs> I was only in the, in the first place if you, uh, <clears throat> I guess I was fortunate in that way too. If you, if people tell you you're good at something young when you're young early or early in your life and it's something that you can do for a profession. So I could have been a fast runner or a good catcher or something like that, but maybe I can't, you know, I can't necessarily do that for a living unless I become a coach or a player um, mm -hmm. or an athlete or something. So if I, I knew I was a good writer in like the eighth grade when I just, you know, you got, I got A's on, in English and, and all my writing stuff and, you know, teachers would tell my mom and stuff like that. So, and I love to read and writing comes really naturally. So what I write, I don't have, I don't care a whole lot about that, that it gets <laughs> out if, you know, that it flows easily. <laughs> <laughs> that it comes out easily and other people like my everybody that hires me they say I hate writing and I'll be like yes because I will always be, I'll forever be employed people will always come to my company and always contract to my company because folks hate writing so much I love to write my writers I have a staff of writers they love to write and that's all that's all we need to do just keep writing for them they just we can just the words come out of our heads and onto paper well onto the screen and where other people don't want to do it and I'm, I'm happy to do it for them you you mentioned you did it more the, the establishing your own company for the money but that would mm -hmm. get more money you sacrifice mm -hmm. security so was you nervous about making that choice man let me tell you about that about the security because you ain't lying if you've been any kind i don't know if you have been any kind of independent contractor every independent contractor will tell you about that security i don't care if you're a real estate agent an appraiser a home inspector a um, auto repair person if you or a writer um being an independent contractor is stressful in that way um mm -hmm. and i've had a few professions in my life and like the ones i just mentioned and if you if you are an independent contractor in any kind of way uh you're right. The money can be sporadic. There are, there are highs and lows. This is almost like running. It's like running any business though, by the way, if you have an ice cream shop, if you run a Whole Foods, there are highs and lows uh, to the money that you get. And it's not, there's not a set amount that you're going to make every month. 
And you're just going to have to deal with that and learn to be a, a, a good or efficient independent contractor. Meaning, if you know that you're going to make uh, the bulk of your money between February and August, uh, you, you have first, first you have to know that. And then, which is hard to know in your first and second year of business. And then, um, so you should have like a good mentor. I didn't have one, but I figured it out uh, the hard way. <laughs> but, um, but, but you have to pay your bills. Like I pay a lot of my bills six months in advance. If I can, like my, you know, my insurance for the year. Um, if I uh, get a, you know, a really big commission. Well, when I was a real estate agent, when I got a really big commission, I would like make sure my mortgage was going to be paid six months in advance and I, and I can and I would be okay uh health insurance is always an issue it's it still is today an issue uh having it and keeping it uh or, or being able to afford it uh, or not having it and figuring out how to get done what you need to get done you know still still keeping up your dental visits and um uh and your lady you know your lady part visits and stuff like that like making sure you're doing all the things you you need to do um so it is, it is really, really difficult. So sometimes, uh, not sometimes, all the time, it's great to have long-term contracts because honestly, everybody's W-2 job is another long-term contract. They might, you might not think about it, but you signed something <laughs> when you got that job and it could be terminated. <laughs> it could be terminated whenever they want to or whenever you want to, to terminate. So uh, that's a contract too. They're just... It's just our our payment structures are just different, and I can charge more usually. So would you you going? I'm a, because you've been doing it for eleven years now. You you locked in. There's no mm -hmm. going turned away now. I'm pretty sure, right? Oh, there's a, oh, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, uh, you mean are you you mean locked into being? I'm saying locked in to work it for yourself. A W two job, right? Locked in for yourself, not not wanting to be like a. Oh little... man, you know it's pros and cons to this. Uh, to being an independent contractor, because one, I would say ninety nine percent of my friends are in are W two employees. I won't I won't say W two employees are nine to five employees wherever they work they work night they work regular business hours and a lot of the stuff i do is also during regular business hours but tomorrow for instance tomorrow is wednesday i want to hike in the morning that's probably what i'm going to do in the morning is go hike nobody can come with me i gotta hike by myself <laughs> because everybody working and i can't even ask nobody it's like a stupid question to ask what you want to do tomorrow they be like nigga i'm working i can't do nothing well, with you tomorrow actually is a holiday in the dc area right Oh, that's right. That's right. Because of the inauguration. Yes, it is. Huh. Maybe they will come. Thanks for reminding me, Lamp. I look, appreciate that. But look, unfortunately, I probably took away some of my excuse. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, if people want to hike, I only want people to come to me to hike if they want to hike. But most days I can't be asking people to come like have lunch with me in the middle of the day, like I would like to. So um, so it's okay, but I do like, you know, hold most of my meetings during the day and, um, and I, I make my schedule and I, I wake up when I want and I don't set an alarm. A lot of other business owners do not operate this way. So I hope nobody's taking this apart. Like, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. 
People always say that when they were, uh, business owners will tell you that when you run a business, you work harder than you do as a W-2 employee. That is absolutely true. You work yeah, harder than that. you do because you can just go, you can leave your, you can leave work at your nine to five job and not think about that job until the next day at eight o'clock. Yeah. Or when you get there and might, and still not think about it. You could be there and still not think about that job that for is a true. while. And um, cause it's not your problem. You know, what's, what's happening there is not your problem. It's not your business. If you know, you know, if you don't work there, they would just fill your space with somebody else. And that's fine. I have to, uh, as the, as the manager, I call myself a business manager, not an owner as a manager of this business. I have to, I'm responsible for everything. Every executive decision is is up to me because I'm the executive and this is just me. So <laughs> I got to uh, do payroll. I have to seek more work. So I'm also the business developer all the time. I'm the, um, I am the, uh, wait, it's three things. This is a book I got this from. It's three things. I'm the, and I'm also the technical person sometimes. And those things are hard and they're always competing. Those three um, major portions of running a business or uh, roles of running a business are very important. And I'm doing all of them. And that has stopped. That is that is stopping. It's stopping now. Um, and I'm just enjoying every minute of it. How hard was it to create your own structure? Um, it's kind of happening now, honestly. The structure of the business um, it's that's just now happening like in my like ninth year is when it is when I started like a true structure and I probably have to tell you this story about this book I read that has changed my life has changed the way that I do business um now that I think is I think is so pivotal that every business owner should read it um if you'd like to hear about it what is it yeah of course okay it's, it's called the E-Myth Revisited. And people think that it's about- Say that again, or something Say that like again. That, but it's a, the, the E-Myth Revisited. Okay. Is what it's called, the E-Myth. And uh, let me see who it's by. But that book is about the entrepreneurial myth. Michael Gerber, Michael E. Gerber is, is the guy who wrote the book. Okay. So it's, the, it's about the entrepreneurial myth. So. What it means is he starts off talking about how people want to run a business. Everybody wants to run it or uh, lots of people want to open their own business and say, I have my own business. And he uses the, um, he uses the analogy of a woman who runs a bakery in the, throughout the book so that you could follow his, um, his ideas. And he talks about how this woman gets up early in the morning, uh, opens up her shop, not open, she goes to her shop at like 7 a.m., or 6 a.m. she has to like start the ovens and get every get all her the stuff the pastries ready or the dough ready and the flour and the sugar and and also open the shop and ring up customers and what and run the shop and have it open all day bake the goods sell the goods procure more ideas and make the menus and stuff like that and then she does it all again the next day and she is run ragged and run and do the payroll for the other people that work there hmm. And um and and accounts receivable for her business in general, and she is losing her mind. She's more tired than she's ever been, and but she feels fulfilled because it's her business. But what he explains in the book is that what she has done as a result of being a good baker in general, people told her that they love her cakes and pastries and cookies, 
And they were like, they, they would say to her, you should, you should open a business. You should sell these. This is so good, which is how a lot of people start business. They do something very well. Uh, they're a good writer like me, or they um, are good, really great photographer, or they're a good uh, videographer, or they're they, uh, good at uh, IT troubleshooting, whatever that thing is. And they think that what they should do is uh, become an independent contractor, basically, like I am and start a business offering this to people, offering themselves to people. And what that really means is that they've created a job for themselves. So you had a job, you quit that job and you created one of your own where you work for you, but now you gotta find all your own work where before somebody else found you that work because you worked for them. Mm. And that's why you're working twice as hard. So now you are the technical person doing the work, the actual writing or photography or videography or whatever your, whatever your job is, you're the technical person performing the work. And now you're the entrepreneur seeking more work all of the time. And you're also the business manager because you have to do payroll and accounts receivable and write to write to customers constantly. You got to do marketing for your business constantly and keep in touch with all of your customers. So you got to, you got to perform customer management, customer relationship management too. One person cannot do all those things successfully. You can if your business is this big. And if you got in a business because you wanted to be this big, cool. You can do it, but it would be difficult for you to do that and also perform the work mm. um, and, and seek more work if you actually want to grow your business. That's why it took me so long. Uh, and also, if you are the technical person, you don't have your mind on like seeking more work. You're busy doing shit. You're busy <laughs> writing stuff. You're busy taking pictures. You're busy editing stuff. You cannot, you can't even think about like, Seeking, seeking more work to actually grow the business, to get more customers, to actually do more shit because you can't, so you, now you can't scale because you haven't created a system, which is what a business really is. A business is a system. It's a system that's supposed to be able to run without you when you are not there. And if you create a system that can be duplicated by someone else who, by the way, will potentially buy your business, which is a, the goal of a lot of business owners, that someone buys their business and they, they're hands off now, because someone's purchased their system from them and now they can live the life they want, which brings me to another point. What is the life you want? Why did you start a business in the first place? Is it so you can have spend more time with your kids? Is it so that you can live a rich, luxurious life in a big ass house with beautiful cars that you don't get to enjoy because you're running the business, <laughs> which is what people do. That's what people do all the time, every day, right now even. Um, so figure out why you're doing what you're doing so that you can get your business to the place you want it to be. My, my business is, is not in the place I want it to be. It's close, but I, I feel like I am in charge of every, of all of my days. And that's paramount to me that I'm not under somebody else's thumb that I don't feel like, uh, that I'm not some on someone else's schedule. People are on my schedule. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because even if you even if I, I, I still have customers now and I gotta, I have to uh, be accountable to my customers, but um, they, un they know me, they like me and they hire Collins Publishing for me primarily, but I wanna get away from that. I want them to hire Collins Publishing because of Collins Publishing's practice, practices, because mm. of Collins Publishing's service and make that the brand, make that my service, make that my system. Collins Publishing has a system that they like. It took me, it, of course, it took me a long time to get like that realization, right? And like reading that book because I didn't have time to do it. I didn't have time to even think about that. Uh, this pandemic has helped a lot, but I didn't have time to, 
to to bring that to fruition to actually hire people and delegate to them it's been a, it's been a game changer honestly. so you've actually been able to get employees now say that one more time you've been able to hire employees yes yes and i got a cheat code to that but yes, yes <laughs> i have and it's it's been great it's and, been great and I i'd like to scale that also and ironically, after after everything you told me about Collins Publishing, you have another business. <laughs> oh, the Creative Arts okay. Canvas. <laughs> okay. Yes. So so I had this idea. I, I was on travel one day. It wasn't no fancy travel. It was like an ocean city or something uh, in Maryland. And I was in a rental property and I saw like a canvas it was a really cool canvas. It was like real, like really ocean city, like, like beach, like canvas. And it had like just the names of local places in, in and around ocean city. And I was like, that is so cool. And you know, the decor and the condo was so cute and all of that. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I could do that. And you know, now Lamp, that I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really, um, what is the word? I love where I'm from and where I have grown, where I grew up. And oh, you don't know this. And uh, and you don't shop in girly shops like I do, but you probably take your daughter to you know to girl stores or whatever, like Forever Twenty One and stuff like that. But they're always selling in an H and M. They're always selling sweatshirts and T-shirts that say New York, Los Angeles. California. I even saw one in Target that said Colorado. Why? Who gives a now, shit? But it's not. A, it's an Old Navy. <laughs> See, California. Why? Why is Old Navy selling shirts with that particular state on it? Because people like those places. They like California. They like New York. They like Paris. I've seen those that say Paris on it. Uh, maybe Miami. Every once in a while, Miami. Never. Oh, and also, what used to bug me even more, Los Angeles Lakers would be on it. It would be the Lakers. Sometimes I see like Chicago Bullets maybe every once in a while. What's another team they will always have? Um, Probably the Cowboys for football. The Cowboys, the Patriots the last couple of years. Yankees. In here, and I'm in, and definitely the Yankees. Lots of Yankees. In Maryland. I would see all of that shit in Maryland. In and around (laughs) Washington, D.C. And I would be like, Fuck these places. Fuck these states. Where is Maryland? Where is D.C.? Where is Virginia? Washington, D.C. is the capital of this entire ass country. And we can't find a sweatshirt like in every store where you can get D.C. And Washington, D.C. on it. It make any sense to me. Anyway, so I wanted to make it my mission to uh, create things, um, to create art and apparel that people could uh, wear and put in their house to celebrate where they're from, which is right here. DC, especially if you're not here, especially if you, you know, you've relocated to another state, but you grew up in this area and you want to let people know like all the places you've been, um, you know, what your life has been made up of, you can do that now Mm -hmm. uh, through Creative Art Canvas. And, uh, and it's also another stream of income, which I'm all about is multiple streams (laughs) of income. (laughs) When did you start? When did you start this one? Uh, I started Creative Art Canvas three years ago three years ago. So I was doing the canvases and then the apparel just started in 2021, just started this year. How long does it take you to complete a canvas? Um, 
It takes me and this, and I honestly, I do it. Uh, it takes me, I would say about 20 minutes to create it graphically because I do it in Photoshop and about 20 more minutes to design it in like the, on the canvas and, and, and literally create an order. Like, cause I use a vendor to do it and that's it. Hmm. And I, so I fulfill it, I fulfill it. Um, but it goes straight to the customer. With all these things going on, college publishing, the creative art canvas, what would you say has been the biggest factor to you achieving what you have so far? Um, uh, knowing what, knowing why you're doing it. So having like a really, having a clear focus on whatever your goal is. So, and having a goal. So if you're, if your goal is to, if you, you know, remember when we were 18, like 17, 18, you're like, I want to make a lot of money. I want to be rich. <laughs> what does that even mean? How much is that anyway? How much was it when you were 17? You don't know. You don't know what, how much that is. Nah. And, and, it, and there's no set number. And you don't know what it even means to be rich when you're 17. Um, you know what you think. You know what you think. Any changes. It means to be rich when you're 17. But it's not really, you know. Usually being rich is not something you can see usually. So uh, that takes a long time to find out a lot of the time. And then, and then figuring out what that number is, it takes some time. I would say that uh, it's not, it's no fault of, it's no fault of people when they're, when you're younger and you don't know how you can't conceptualize your goal because you don't know what that goal is supposed, is supposed to look like because you don't know yourself yet for a while. You don't know what your life, you're just figuring out you and who you are let alone what your life is supposed to be like, what you want your life to look like, what you don't want your life to have, because you don't know what it could have until you, you know, live a little bit. And so to, to know what you don't want it to have and so that you, so you know what you do want it, to have, want it to have. So I knew what I wanted my life to look like, but I'm 43 years old now. I hope I know what I want my life to look like at yeah. this age. <laughs> and, um, but I knew, I honestly did know this when I was about 25, I, I knew what I wanted my life to look like and be like, I always wanted to be an independent contractor. I always wanted to be the ruler of my time and my days and not have people telling me what to do. Maybe, that, maybe I'm a dickhead for that. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm sure there's a, there's a word, <laughs> there's a word for people that can't be a rule follower or can't like listen to authority. Like I've issued, I don't have authority issues, but I don't, I'd be like, well, why, why do I have to do that? Cause I'm a, I'm all, everybody's not created the same. I mean, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a little bit of a child in that way where I'll ask why for everything still. Like, why do we have to do that? Do you know why we have to do that? Let's, let's break it down. Because I probably, this probably doesn't, isn't necessary, you know, as, you, as you're saying. Anyway. Well, yeah, you know um, what? It's good you work for yourself because people will get tired of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was so much worse. I'm probably a more better follower now than I would have, was when I was younger. And I know so much more. Um, but probably because I'm I found my groove and I'm in the business also. So, but I was like, you know, at work, you can't wear jeans. I'd be the nigga to wear jeans when you're not supposed to, <laughs> or wear sneakers to work when you're not supposed to, or um, just stuff like that. Cause I'd be like, I could do what I want. It's, it's all right. It's, you, you know, just don't want that. You don't want right. the dress code, none of that, huh? I hated all of that. And I love it. I love that I don't have no dress code. I have on a poncho right now with nothing <laughs> under it. It's great. It's fantastic. 
and I could do this whenever I whenever I want to do it. And I want to dye my hair right now, but I don't know if I'm a, I don't know if I'm up for the challenge. Yeah, you, right. you're going too far now. <laughs> Relax <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I would, you know, Whatever. on your page, you do a lot of you t- you do a lot of traveling. How important is that to you? Incredibly, incredibly. It would be uh, if you've ever made a list of you know your 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 priorities in life, which I think everybody should do. Uh, even if you don't make a list, but make a circle, like put a make a circle of draw a circle on a piece of paper, and write inside that circle a bunch of other little circles of all the things that are important to you. So. People, some people will put their kids, uh, some people will put their parents, some people will put their siblings, some people will put their job or you know what they like to do. Some people will put their hobbies like skiing or motorcycle riding or um, some people like hoes so they'd be like, they put bitches in a, in a circle or whatever. You know, if that's really important to you, put that in that circle. Know what those things are that are important to you. Because <laughs> it's important to know yourself. Know yourself. I just made an Instagram post today about knowing yourself. So it's really important that you know yourself. Um, so anyways, you make a circle of all those things that are very that are important to you. You don't have to rank them, you know, in order or anything like that. Because you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And you don't want to think about this too hard either. So just put the things that are important to you in that circle. So if I were to do that, in my circle would be travel in a big old circle, a big, big circle, because it's important for me to see the rest of the world. It's important for me to see the way other people live and what life is like and other perspectives are really important to me and um, the and un- uncovering the differences between us and why they, ex- you know, between us, I, I mean, Americans and other cultures or people of different colors and just how people, just how a woman, a 43-year-old woman, single woman like me in India is living. What is she living like? Or a 43-year-old woman in China, a single woman, what is she living like? Um, or in Croatia, what is she living like? Or in Argentina, what is she living like? What is that, what is that like? Is she cool? Because all I know is my 43-year-old friends here. You know, my 40 or 40-something year old friends here. And I remember an episode of Oprah forever and ever ago. I, I wasn't even like a big watcher of that show. I can remember I can remember this one episode very keenly. And she did this. She made she did an experiment of women who were 30 living in all countries all over the world and what life was like for them, how much what they ate in a day, where they worked, how much they vacationed, did they wear makeup? how they dated, were they married, and, you know, the, the, the concerns on their mind, um, you know, some, some were trivial to us, some, were, some of our concerns are trivial to them, and they, uh, they, they all agreed that Americans work too hard, and I absolutely believe that. They, mm-hmm. we, we work too hard, they say we look silly, this is an old episode, they say we look silly, and uh, women, when women get dressed up for work and they wear sneakers with like their 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 uh, skirts, skirt like sports coats and skirts oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, because because we're and we're working that hard and we get we pride ourselves in working that hard, and I think that that's a mistake. It's a huge mistake. And I bet you that your parent didn't give birth, your mama did not give birth to you, James, and, and looked at you as a little baby in her arm and said, I hope that James becomes a really hard worker when he gets older. I hope yeah. that he works so hard that, I don't know, that he dies and, <laughs> you know, drives himself to an early grave or something like that. He, I know she didn't say that. 
What did she and find out if you? I, I wonder. I don't know. What my mama said about me, but I know she did not say that, and I don't I, want that. I know my mom didn't say that. She probably said something about money, though. <laughs> not the work part. <laughs> about work money. Part I hope he makes money. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she said that. I hope my baby boy oh, make a lot man. of money. <laughs> and then, so where's the best place you've I mean, been so far? What would you say the best place you've been so far? Um, the best place I've been. Uh, it's a lot of places. Uh, I would. I cannot. I honestly, I can't say just one. I can't. I can't say one because every place has like is ups. Uh, it's it's pros and cons. That's kind of mm-hmm. like saying who's the best person you ever met. Well, you might have met a lot of people and don't cheat and say your wife, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or your daughter either. So, because uh, so people have their pros and their cons. Right, so places right. have their pros and cons too. Um, the best experience I've had in a place, I've had two really, really fantastic experiences. And one was in uh, Marrakesh in Morocco. And that was wonderful because at that time, I had really only been to like European countries. And that was my first time in Africa. And uh, it was, when you when you go to European countries, for anybody uh, listening, if you've ever been to a place that, uh, you've ever been to anywhere in Europe, they're uh, France, England, Italy, Portugal, um, Germany, they're kind of all the same in the way, in the way that they're, all the architecture and culture uh, or history was it's around you know 14 around 1400s 1415 1600s and everything's old older than america because everything's older than america and <laughs> um it's, it's very <laughs> very cobblestones and concrete and uh if you close your eyes and open them up you know in the middle of the street in any city you could be in you could be in another one and it wouldn't be it, you couldn't tell the difference is what mm-hmm. I'm saying in, in one of those metro cities between like Berlin and Paris and Rome. You'll you'll figure it out in like five minutes, but they kind of look the same. Okay, hmm. is what I'm getting at. Like Europe, like Europe is, uh, I won't say it's one and done. Go, go see it. But uh, when you go to Morocco, um, let me go back. In Europe, uh, a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the things that we do in America was European because we began uh, through or America uh, started with Europeans. So a lot of shit we do is European. So therefore, when you go to Europe, a lot of stuff that happens there isn't all that much different than America. Yeah, they might drive on the other side of the street, but doors <laughs> look the same, streets look the same, cars look the same, people behave mostly the same. Um, and it's not a, not a culture shock, not that you want to be shocked by culture, but if I'm traveling to see different cultures, Europe is not really where you're going to see a huge difference. Mm. Um, and there, there is a big difference, like in Spain, where uh, all businesses close for a couple hours in the middle of the damn day. So everybody take a nap or go to lunch. <laughs> and I thought that that was, I remember when I saw that, when I experienced that, I was like, but it's, I was like, but it's 1230. What do what you mean they close? Can you imagine and, that here in that time? Right, right. But you know what this country, you know, this country, this country's capitalist. So that would never happen. So, um, but they're not, but they got a different why, right? Than we do. Uh, they also have less money than we do as a country. So what does that even mean? So anyway, not so much. 
<laughs> when I went to, uh, so so this also means in those countries, the hotels are the same. You can go to Marriott and, and pick any one of those places and you go to Marriott. You can go to Marriott or Hilton probably in any of those places. I'm pretty sure you can because I've stayed there. You know what I mean? And it's almost the same. And you, you can get the same experience. When you go to a place like Marrakesh, it was the first time I'd seen, it's the first time I'd seen like Sheikh's palaces, uh, dirt and sand roads. Mm. Um, it was the first time I'd seen like, uh, we got, okay, so we didn't know how to get to our hotel. So of course we got the cab driver. We, we get out of the airport, me and my homegirl, we went together and we come out of the airport and just like any airport you ever go to in the rest of the world, in Vegas, in Paris, in <laughs> Canada, whatever, you come out and you find a cab and you're like, this is my hotel. And I'm, I'm the person that print everything. And I'd be like, take us right here, <laughs> right? Cause I, I don't wanna, <laughs> cause I can't speak the language. But I have everything printed so that I, you can, I can just show it to somebody and they know where to go. So I say, take us here because we booked the hotel. He immediately, you know, he's standing with other cab drivers. They all st- begin to what we think is arguing with each other about this, about this place and about this address. And they get really, it gets heated. And we were like, what's, what's going on? Why are they arguing about where to take us? And I don't. I now don't even believe they were arguing. They were just discussing it, but it sounded argumentative the way that they spoke to each other. Oh, okay. It was such a trip to me. So then when we went, we're driving and the roads are not paved. There's dirt bikes and people are, there's no lines. There's no lines to to delineate lanes or anything like that on the road. So it's just, it's a fucking free for all, like a video game. When we were like riding on uh, on, on driving on the road to get to the place. And then we're driving past like big stone walls. Uh, so, so now we can't tell, are we, in, are we in the town where the hotel is? I don't know. Uh, all we see is the, the stone walls are the same color as the ground, which is like a, uh, a, pink, a pink color, pink peach color, like sand. And uh, everything's kind of blending together. There's no street signs mm-hmm. to speak of. And the street, the street is now getting narrower. And now I'm pretty sure it's not a street. It's an alley. We are driving through alleys now. And when we're driving through the alleys, there's other cars in the alleys and there's still dirt bikes zooming past us this close, clipping the, I know they're about to clip us any second now, but people, they're just happening so fast. We were just like, what is going on? It's crazy. And then in the middle of this alley, he turns the corner, he turns right into another alley and he goes, okay, it's down there. And then we're like, damn, fucking where? You about to, don't, don't put us out right here. We don't know where we are. We don't, we don't see a door. We do not see a building that looks like the hotel that we are accustomed to seeing when you pull up in front of a hotel. There's no circle that you pull up in front of. There's like, there's no area where you like disembark and take your luggage out and none of this, there's none of that. We don't even see an entrance. I'm not kidding. So he just Here dropped alley, off sir. an alley somewhere. Yes, and we didn't understand. So I'm glad it was two of us because I was like, stay right here. I told my homegirl, stay right here. I'm going to go check it out. Don't go nowhere. So <laughs> stays there with all the luggage. And I go check. And I learned that where we were in Marrakesh or this area in Marrakesh, every building, every residence, every business is, is 
shielded in a way or housed by some sort of facade. Everything has a facade. It's a walled facade without windows. Mm. So when you think you're in an alley, you're really right in front of somebody's house or you're really <laughs> right in front of the hotel. And, and the door is huge wooden doors with grommets on it. And it opens. And when it opens, it's this beautiful courtyard with no roof. So it's a big ass wall, but if you get inside, you're like, it's like you're outside. It's no roof and it's plants and it's gorgeous and um, very, very rustic. And nothing like I'd ever seen before. If it rained, we would have got rained on inside, but it don't rain because it's the desert because it's Morocco. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> so anyway, sitting thinking like, what if it rained? Yes, but yeah, it doesn't, you know, I think about that every time I go to like an arid country like that. It doesn't rain and I'm thinking about it. And if it does, no big deal. It's going to be like 20 minutes. It'll be over, you know. Anyway, it was like no experience I'd ever had before. And then going to the souks at night, which are like the flea markets. This is like at midnight. You got to see it. I got to show you one day. But it's it's like a, it's like the most beautiful thing. It's like it's like being at it's like being at a block party. Uh, but everybody is Moroccan, and <laughs> obviously, uh, and or Berber. There, there's a lot of Berbers that live in Morocco. And so Berbers love to celebrate their heritage, just like we do. It would be the way, it would be like Black people, it would be like American Black people going to Croatia and every every night at midnight doing a line dance. We all got <laughs> together and we did the Cupid Shuffle or the Cha-Cha Slide. And what would happen is Croatians and tourists would come out and take pictures of us and try to dance with us. But all we're trying to do is preserve our culture. And that's what's happening at the souks at night in Marrakesh. So it's at night, it's the middle of the night, it's dark, but it, everything's all lit up because there's lanterns everywhere and people are flamethrowers and shit. And people are uh, people are milling about like it's 2 p.m. It's wonderful. It is. It was beautiful. I don't think it was very safe, but it was beautiful <laughs> to be out there. It was great. It was great to have, to have that experience. And it was the best food I've had abroad. That was a very long story to tell you that I like, I like Marrakesh. <laughs> How long was the flight? Uh, you know, it wasn't that, it's not that bad because Marrakesh is like on the top, the top west. Oh, it's on the west, on the west coast of Africa. So, uh, how long was the flight? This was one of those trips where I did, I always like to do three countries in one trip. And this was the one I did like, um, I did Spain, Portugal, no, I did the south of France. I did the French Riviera. So Fran I did France and Portugal. Portugal, it, well, it sucks, whatever. Uh, <laughs> French, France, Portugal, and um, Marrakesh. And um, France is only like six hours. It's all like six, six seven hours. Uh, okay. So we flew from there. And that, that might have been, I don't know, two, maybe two hours, if I can remember, from, um, from Portugal or from France. Damn. You yeah, know it wasn't that bad. You know I had to you know I had to ask you about the conversation we had with Shanavia, which are you being a unicorn? What about it? You asked her? No, I'm talking to you. Were you told the power you said you don't want to get married? Oh, yes. You know we gotta talk about that. We can talk about that. I'm gonna talk about it all weekend anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta explain. You gotta explain how you came to that decision because it was one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever had. You know what? Uh, an easy way to answer that question, and I've answered it this way before, is that 
it wasn't really a decision I came to. I just never came to the decision where I wanted to get married. And a lot of women come to that decision where they want to, and men come to that decision. And you know what I do? I ask them why. Why do you want to get married? Because I want to hear the answer. And you'd be surprised how many people do not have an answer or to me, a sufficient answer for that, for why they want to be married. Some people have literally said, I just do. I just want to be married. Uh, I've heard men say, I want a family. And I'll be like, these are people with kids, by the way, who said that to me. And I'll be like, you got a family, but okay. <laughs> um, or, you know, they have an idea. A lot of people have an idea of what a family, of course, obviously looks like. And that is, I guess, you know, a wife and a husband and offspring. And, um, and that's cool. That's cool. We know what we are raised to do or see, I guess. But I, I have to figure, I have to know why I'm doing something. And getting married is probably the biggest decision you'll ever make in life uh, beyond buying a house. Some, maybe not beyond starting a business, but, but it's kind of the same in that way because it's a lot of stuff that you have to consider um, when you do that. And when you start, when you marry a person, you have to consider a real person with feelings and emotions. And with a business, you don't have to do that. So to me, a business is easier yeah it is to do with and running a business is hard you heard how hard i said it was right <laughs> so so i can't imagine doing that with a person uh it was just it it being married in my mind feels like would feel like imprisonment to me it would feel like i'm being kept trapped i will feel trapped oh my goodness can you imagine <laughs> so when somebody says to me do you want to get married? I imagine them putting me in a box and locking it. <laughs> so the answer will always be no. Hell no. If I said if I said you want me to get in this box and I lock it up, wouldn't you say no too? That's exactly how I feel about marriage. I you know what? I mean, I, it depends on how you look at it because yes, yes. You, you know what? So I'll say this. This we've had a chance. We talked before, but this conversation was more well not more this was one-on-one it was just us so to hear to now hear you talk about how your life has gone like the things you're excited about a marriage seems like it would kind of complicate things for you I'm glad you I'm glad you said that yeah I mean because like you talk about freedom you talk about moving how you want and that's the one thing about when you get married, you cannot move how you want. <laughs> I don't care what nobody say. Like, mm -hmm. I can't. Like, I can't just, I can't just up and say, I'm a, I'm a go, I'm a go, uh, I'm a go to Vegas tomorrow. Like, yes, that just doesn't work. I can. Yeah, you can. And and you have the person. And not only that, that kind of, not only can you, from talking to you that's you like you seem like the person that just want to be able to move and do whatever you want to do and you don't want to buy access you no questions <laughs> so, I, don't. I don't all of that all of that would steal my joy oh <laughs> no. I, was, was I really was i was blown away because you know what is right and, and, and i want to ask you do the dude it doesn't get frustrated because it's a double standard like men can mm -hmm. men don't really 
men don't really have to answer that too much, but women do. So is that frustrating? Um, it used to be it used to be frustrating to get the question a lot, but I've gotten a lot better at answering it. And uh, and I just say I haven't found a compelling reason to get married, and nobody can argue with me about that shit. And I I think that they should that. they should think about that. They should think about that. Be- uh, no, because the compelling a compelling reason for you. Right, you- right. Um, and they haven't given me any compelling reasons, honestly. Just that they want to, and you want what you want. I'm not trying to change nobody's mind out here. Right. Um, but what what gets what is more frustrating to me. <clears throat> is is honestly the people in my life who want to be married and aren't and I feel like they kind of lament it and they want it so badly and and I wish I just want my friends to be happy so I, I want them to not want it so bad or or get married whatever whatever needs they need to make them happy <laughs> I want them to either to to find that happiness in a different way because I don't think it would be um I honestly think that people that want to get married that bad won't be once they are. I know they won't because they're looking at it wrong. They won't be happy once. If you want to be married, you don't, there's there's not a person you want to be married to that you know right now. You just know that you want to be married to someone when you find them. I think that that's the wrong way to look at it, to say that you want to be, you should have the person in mind and say and and feel that you want to be married to them to that person because you want to begin a partnership with them you can't imagine your life without them uh because they are a good decision maker um because you trust them um all those different things notice i didn't say love at all because i don't love don't have nothing to do with this with your marriage But you should, if you want to do all that with a person, then it makes some kind of sense for, for, in my mind, to hear that you want to be married to them, but that you want to be married to like an imaginary person, you just want to be married to someone, I think is foolish. And it's, it is the wrong goal to have. So when you say a per, like, are you saying like the, the ideal person or a specific person? I think that if you want to get married, it should be to a specific person, not to someone. You want to be a wife. People want to, women want to be a wife. Men want to be a husband. But why? You say why? Yeah. Why do they want to be a husband? Okay. Well, since you said husband, for me, it's the family thing. Now, mm-hmm. everybody looks at family different. Um, mm-hmm. My definition of family, clearly not the same as yours. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, okay, for instance, you, there are people who have kids without getting married and then that yeah. doesn't work out Then you got to do child support. You got to go through the court system, all that stuff. If that, mm-hmm. if that's what happens, mm-hmm. doesn't mean, and, and getting married doesn't mean you won't ever go through that. It just means you just decrease your odds. Yeah. That. And me, ironically, since you the, the, when I when I met my when I met my wife and then we started dating, I got to a point that I couldn't imagine life without her. So that's why I had to marry her because I couldn't okay. let her get away. Now, had I not felt that way, I probably wouldn't have got married. 
And I don't think most men, more like, well, no, let me not, let me not do that. I don't want to make that general statement. But for me, marriage wasn't like, I didn't grow up thinking about, oh yeah, I want to get married. I just kind of figured it would happen. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but <laughs> just figured it would. And, 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 it's, and it's, it was something that I did want. You said that again? Okay. Were your parents married? Say that again, I'm sorry. Were your parents Not married? to each other, no, but they both. Okay. Not to each other. But, okay. but they did get, but they did get married to other people. Okay. So, okay. but I don't think that was the reason though. It was, it was more, it, again, it was, it was my wife. It was just meeting her. And when I started to think about us not being together, I just couldn't imagine us not to be, not being together. Sorry, no, that's right? fair. That's fair. That's fair. You know what? And I don't even think I've heard that kind of like, story before or that kind of rationalization about your people's parents being married or unmarried and whether or not you want to I have six brothers and sisters I have three brothers and three sisters we all have the same parents and we grew up in the same household right mm -hmm. so if we saw let's say we saw our parents um this is hypothetical but let's say we saw our parents in an unhappy marriage under that rationalization none of us should want to get married right <laughs> and I have a sister who wants to get married as much as I don't want to. She, wants, she very much wants to get be married. And she's one year away from me. So we should have the same outlook on it though, right? But we're just two different people with two different goals in mind. That's all. And it does, has nothing to do with what we saw in our parents' marriage or lack thereof. Do you think for your sister, do you think it's the, the, the like, the the pressure society saying like women should be married do you think that's a fact at all i think it's that uh she's very religious uh she's christian uh i think that a lot of what the bible teaches you is that you should be yeah. uh preparing you to be a good wife um to some man that don't deserve it probably <laughs> and you know a dude wrote that so a dude wrote anyway, what the bible so which makes perfect sense because of course. Oh no, we not. I'm not even about to do that one. Don't, don't, don't. don't <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I, the Bible is the Bible, and it's like, you know, it's the Bible. <laughs> Man, <bro. laughs> you know what? You said it right. You said it right. That's exactly right. I mean, because I because because I grew up in church. I grew up more in mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. Um. But you know, you, you start looking at things, you start looking at life, you look at things a little different. And then you understand like man is subject to flaws. Yeah. So yeah. when you start reading the Bible, you find yourself asking questions and it's like, I don't know if that really makes sense, but you know. Yes. But I know how people mean. feel about the Bible. Yes. So yeah. it's like. So I don't want to make nobody mad. Right. So it's like, okay. I'm not even about the, Cause my, 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 my look, my perspective is my perspective and I'm not one of the yeah. people like, oh, you, you know, you, the Bible is full of lies and all that stuff. No, I mean, the Bible is a good book. There's some good things in it, but yeah, man. so yeah, yeah. It was written by a man and this, this translates to other things that we follow too, by the way, that has nothing to do with religion It's all other things. But if it, if it's written from one point of view, or written from one gender's point of view, or written from one um, 
uh, ethnicity's point of view, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be skewed in one way and maybe not in your way, you know, yeah. or for your life that what something that in a way that fits your life. And I'm glad we I'm I am I'm not gonna go on the Bible no more because, like you said, the Bible is the Bible. <laughs> but <laughs> but I will say that uh, I do get people telling me that you know that I've never heard that point of view before. I've never heard uh, that opinion about marriage before or or life or whatever, right? And I think this is just my theory, but I think that that comes from me uh, following a different religion uh, as a child growing up and from from most people around me, a different religion from most people around me. Different from uh, your parents? The same as my parents, but most people around me were Christian. I was Muslim oh. growing up. So growing up that oh. way in a big family, a family different from other people with names, with a name like Anzana, with names different from other people. So we were just, in a way, our family was a little bit different just having like slight differences to me these are slight differences having slight differences from other people it helps you understand difference capital d difference in the world mm -hmm. and it, it helps you appreciate differences and that nobody is better than or less than because they're different than right. you because their name is more or less american or because they follow because they're jewish or because they're muslim or because they're christian and who is to say, who exactly is to say what is right? Which one is the right God or the right book or the right way to live your life? Really, you are. Yeah. You are. So master that. Master your life. You are the master of your life. And if you figure that, the sooner you figure that out and take control of the decisions you make and the path that you want to be on, the better off you'll be. I think that is the perfect way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> look i want to thank you for doing this because you know you was traveling and then you you know i know you got back kind of late but you agreed to do this and you kept your oh, word sure. I'm, I happy to, I'm about to drink some tea i gotta drink my my get well tea my my welcome home tea i should say i drink tea after i get off the plane i don't know i don't know what's going on I be, i'm safe as i can be but i gotta drink my tea <laughs> but how do how do the people um follow you that's listening to this uh, if you want to follow my personal page, uh, you can go to Insana C on Instagram and Twitter. That's I-N-S-A-N-A-C on Instagram and Twitter. My business page uh, uh, for Collins Publishing is exactly that, Collins Publishing on Instagram and Collins Publish on Twitter. And my art uh, page, which uh, that is Creative Art Canvas on Instagram. That is Creative Art Canvas spelled out just like that. And I also have, um, you can follow, you can find Creative Art Canvas on Etsy. Okay. I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. My Facebook name is also conversations with lamp. And you can follow the podcast on SoundCloud. That's the, that you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.